Welcome everyone, I am Dr. James Ahrens, the ADHD author and veterinarian. With the increased income from my x-ray technician job, Martha and I moved from her apartment into our own rental, a cottage on the Newport Beach Bluffs, where I found time to scuba dive. I'd meet up with a buddy and we'd drive to our diving spot, usually parking on the bluffs 50 feet above the water. We'd change into our wetsuits, strap our weight belts around our waists, and jiggle heavy oxygen cylinders onto our backs. Holding our masks, snorkels, fins, and other diving gear in our hands, we'd carefully descend the cliffs to the beach. On the packed sand at the water's edge, we'd ready our equipment. After strapping our fins to our feet, we adjusted our masks, turned on the oxygen delivery system, and walked backwards into the waves, step by step, until we were neck deep. Then we'd turn around ready for the dive. Placing the regulators in our mouths, we gave each other the A-OK -OK signal with our hands and flippered our way into the watery depths. Here's a song called Sailing, recorded by the Mary McGregor Band, consisting of Mary and her bandmates Joe Gelia and John Holt. It reminds me of the many hours I spent enjoying the ocean, swimming the currents and diving through kelp forests. Ships out on the ocean Sailboats on the sea Someday I'll take an ocean One of those sailors will be me But now when I go sailing All I hear is the roar Of a mile of water beneath me And I'm walking for the shore And you say Running before the wind Ready for a new world to begin Sailing Wish I'd come with you Maybe someday I'll come sailing too I drive to faith places the same way every time the same familiar faces assure me I'm just fine but you my love are brave in your slicker and your semaphore ready for ocean waves while I'm watching from the shore Sailing, running before the wind, ready for a new world to begin. Sailing, wish I'd have come with you. Maybe someday I'll come sailing too. Maybe my heart's this ocean with you So big I can 
never return Maybe my boat's not strong enough For when the ocean rolls and churns It's time to continue our fear of failure narrative. Last podcast we finished with X-ray tech. Now it's time to scuba dive. Come storm the beaches of Southern California as Brian Ortiz narrates my scuba diving adventures. Once I began working full-time at Grand Avenue, Martha and I felt we could afford to rent a house. Martha had one more year at UCI to graduate, but she found part-time work at Grand Avenue as an assistant technician in treatment and surgery. We were so lucky to find a cottage on the bluffs at Newport Beach. Many people wanted to rent the place, and a large group gathered around the owner on a sunny Saturday morning when he was going to pick his new tenants. One person pulled out a wad of $100 bills and told the owner he had the first and last month's payment. Instead, the owner took out a deck of cards and offered each of us a card. I pulled the king of diamonds and won the house. Martha and I went out for a celebratory lunch to discuss our new digs. Our new place was minuscule, the bedroom was cramped, the bathroom was two, and the kitchen was only ten feet long with a two-foot-wide counter, but it was just fine for us. Martha continued to attend UCI. The bicycle commute to Grand Avenue from Newport Beach was too far, so I started taking early morning bike trips down from the bluffs, past Coast Highway, and onto Balboa Peninsula. From the peninsula, I crossed over to Balboa Island on the ferry, biking my way up Coast Highway and found my way back to the bluffs. I still relished my shower position at Grand Avenue, so I drove there to shower before starting work. It made me feel like I belonged to the vet community at the hospital. As I became adept at my x-ray technician job, the learning stress diminished, and my mind wondered about activities I could do when I wasn't working. I called up different friends I met during my scuba diving courses and arranged a couple of dives off the coast. 
I remember one night dive distinctly. It was dark and there was no moon in the sky. We were diving down only 30 feet to catch lobster. After paddling out the appropriate distance, we turned on our underwater flashlights to find lobster, but as soon as my mask hit the water, a visually overwhelming flash of green light blinded my vision. Descending at a slower pace, the brightness in my face mask diminished. But if I accelerated past a certain velocity, the turbulence picked up causing the green swirls to brighten. It was like chewing that popping bubblegum candy in your mouth. The faster I moved my mask, the brighter the green. I saw the same green light coming off my fingers as if they were on fire with a green flame. Every time I moved my head, the face mask disturbed the water flow, and I was blinded by the green fluorescence emanating from the face mask. There was no way we could see past the fluorescence created by the algae, so we swam back to shore and went home. The event was magical and memorable, although non-productive regarding seafood catch. Another time, Brother Rob and I went on a dive out of Dana Point. Standing atop the cliffs at the point, one sees a long and massive seawall separating the harbor from the open ocean, protecting moored boats from the pounding waves. The harbor is to the left of the seawall and the ocean is on the right. We walk down the cliff pathways towards the ocean, wearing our wetsuits and buoyancy compensators and weights, carrying the tanks on our backs, masts and fins in our hands. We entered past the tide pools just where the jetty began. It was an easy swim. Soon we were out in the swells about a quarter mile from shore. Bobbing in the flowing seaweed at the surface, we readied our scuba gear, submerging into the depths between 30 and 50 feet. The water was turbid and frothy, with crashing waves. A lot of water movement came from the waves when they hit the seawall. It was redirected towards the beach. We butted up as is customary for safety purposes during a scuba dive, which meant no person dives alone, and the two buddies are in constant sight of one another. Rob and I started to explore the sea life on and amongst the rocks at the bottom, staying near one another during most of the dive. However, turbulence pulled us apart towards the end, separating us. I know some feel that using turbulence as a reason to wander from each other is wimpy, that only amateurs could lose sight of one another. That person doesn't understand a thing about underwater currents. Think of the strongest gust of wind you've stood up against. Well, an ocean current is easily three times that high. And if the duo of divers are swimming together, all is fine. But if one drops down for a look-see or stays in a cranny for a second, the other person is gone in a flash and needs to negotiate that strong current to see where the other went. And because of the turbidity, we could not find each other visually. I realized the air in my tank was getting low. Every time I sucked on the regulator, expecting a gush of airflow, became progressively harder and harder to pull from the reservoir. The air pressure in the tank was dropping, an indication there would be no air in a minute. It was time to surface. So I kicked to the top with my fins while inflating my buoyancy compensator, an inflatable life jacket allowing the diver to float with no effort. I looked around the choppy seas for Rob's bubbles. They were breaking the surface about 20 feet from me. Following them briefly, I lost their location after a few big waves. I just had to wait for him to surface. It wasn't the best of outcomes, but I trusted Rob to find his way topside soon. We were only down 30, 40 feet. Many people can free dive that deep. I floated while waiting for Rob to run out of air. Suddenly, a large sea creature pushed on me. A massive dark shape was in the water on my left side, 5 feet tall and 16 feet long. It didn't bite me. I wasn't torn up into pieces, so it wasn't a shark, I hopefully reasoned. It must be a dolphin. Porpoises are smaller than this. 
I was alone on the surface of a choppy, cold, gray ocean bobbing up and down with the waves. And now I had a dolphin circling me. It circled three times, then left. Rob's mass broke the surface. We rested a few minutes and then lay on our backs to start paddling back to shore. After ten minutes, we flipped over to see how much further we had to go, but were surprised to see we were not any closer. We resumed the approach lying on our backs, but kicking harder this time. After ten minutes, we checked, and we were again no closer to shore. My panic level began to rise. I suggested we stay on our bellies and use our hands and kick hard at the same time. After fruitless minutes of this, my mind began racing for options in between the panic moments occurring ever more frequently. Suddenly, I remembered having the same helpless feeling of getting nowhere in the water a few years earlier. I was body surfing off Huntington Beach on the southern side of the pier. A rip current developed, which is a flow of water running parallel to the beach. Anyone floating in the water is subject to these currents, which start to move the swimmer parallel to the beach at a slow, steady, unrelenting pace. Swept up in a rip current, I was pushed towards the gigantic barnacle-clad pilings holding up the Huntington Pier. The waves were crashing on the razor-sharp barnacles, and the choppy, foaming water swirled around the pilings as it rose and dropped with each wave. When I first started snorkeling off Corona del Mar Beach, I was accidentally caught up in a wave. It crashed me into the rocks, clad in barnacles, and these suckers have sharp outsides. I was able to scramble out onto the rocks between waves, but blood was coming from numerous cuts on my chest and belly because of the sharp barnacles. This taught me to stay away from the barnacles. That's why I kept trying to swim away from the pier. People walking on the pier 30 feet above me noticed my lack of progress and began yelling advice. More people came to the railing edge, and they started screaming too. I needed to concentrate on my swimming, so I blocked out their noise. Soon a patrol boat was trying to get close to assist me, but it too was getting too close to the pilings. A lifeguard in the skiff yelled at me through a megaphone to swim through the pilings. Oh, I finally realized the plan. The people on the pier want me to go right through. That's what they're telling me, I realized. I still didn't want to go between the sharp barnacle-clad pilings, but the chanting above and the inability of the boat to get any closer to me caused me to make up my mind. I picked a spot as best I could and swam right through the pilings. After a 30-second swim through the pier, the crisis was over. The patrol boat disappeared and the crowd dispersed. Thankfully, I became another anonymous swimmer in which no one had any interest. And today I was reliving that same feeling of hopelessness with Rob. I realized the waves crashing onto the seawall were having their energy redirected outward right at the spot where Rob and I entered the water. This was the reason we had made our way out so quickly. If the water is going down the seawall and coming out the cove, we need to get away from the seawall until there is no more outflowing current, I thought. My thinking was correct. Just by swimming a little way away from the jetty, there was no more current to fight and the dive ended uneventfully as we walked onto the shore. End of chapter. Remember my last podcast, X-Ray Technician, when I lamented about not being able to find many songs related to taking X-rays? Well, ditto for today. I guess scuba diving isn't all that romantic, nor does it fit into the cowboy genre. Still, I discovered a song with an ocean theme. Lighthouse in the Harbor, a song Mary performed in her band Leaner, Lunker, and Betsy. I'm gonna send I'm gonna send this song out to a very special lady who has put up with me for a long time and is uh, celebrating a birthday today. 
Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Lynn. Happy birthday to you. And uh, does she know the words? Is that what I... And I also am going to send this to my two lovely daughters, one who just graduated from college, who was born when we were playing at the, at the end of Thunderhead. Ooh. And the other one who just turned 21 last week. So that makes me really feel old. To Nancy and Jennifer and Lynn. Lighthouse in the harbor, giving guidance with the light. I had no one to turn to. Yes, it is. As I wandered through the night, don't you dare take that away. But from the first time that I saw you. Standing silent by the shore I knew my search was over And I would search for love no more Deep in the waters of love I have fallen Sinking like a storm Ship on the horizon, making its way against the wind. From the point where I stand watching, I swear my ship has come in. Thank you, Mary, Joe, and Rick, and a special thanks to Brian Ortiz for lending your voice to my narrative. And thank you folks for listening.
You can follow the story on my blog, jeadvm.com. I've included pictures, too. Once on my blog's front page, go to the menu, pick my books, and click on Fear of Failure. The entire autobiography can be purchased as an old-fashioned paper book or an e-book as well as an 11-disc audiobook set or can be downloaded from the audiobook sites iTunes and Amazon. More details are on my website, jeadvm.com. Tune in next week to follow more tales of the soon-to-be ADHD veterinarian.